This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Yes. Oh, he's kept it out! Pools are promoted! On the ball are heading back to the Football League! Well, we couldn't think of a better way to start our end-of-season specials for the 21-22 campaign by welcoming on none other than Rob Law from BBC Tees. First of all, Rob, how are you doing? I'm good, chaps. Thanks for having us on. And uh, absolutely love what you do with the podcast. I think it's brilliant and a pleasure to be on it. And um, yeah, hope you boys are doing good as well. Yeah, all good, thank you, and thank you for your kind words um, there. I guess let's go right back now. Um, and what were you really thinking ahead of the new season? We'd obviously got promoted from the National League, coming back into the Football League after being out for a few years. I guess in regards to expectations, what did you have both realistically and, and what did you hope for as well? Um, I think I wouldn't be alone in saying that the main thing going through my mind in the, the start of the, the campaign was do not end up back in the National League for mm. <laughs> all sorts of reasons. That was the... I was thinking, look, if pools can stay up and build from there, that would be fantastic. Um, and obviously, it, it massively exceeded those expectations. And then some, I think, if you'd have sat us all down in a room and somebody had come in and said, right, for the next season, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have an incredible start to the campaign. Uh, you're going to be unbeaten at home for a large chunk of that first part of the campaign. You're going to have a manager leave under a bit of a cloud. Then uh, a new manager is going to come in. You're going to have these cup runs. You're going to get to Selhurst Park and play Crystal Palace you're going to beat Blackpool and all these other teams from divisions higher up and you're going to finish well safe of the bottom two and never really be any in any sort of relegation fight I mean I think everybody just would have said alright yeah pull the other one um, but that's how it panned out it was an incredible season and I think the end to the campaign obviously dampens it somewhat but when you look at when you look at it like that in the, the cold light of day and you look at the full picture, I mean, what a first season back 
in in League Two in the in the EFL. It was uh, it was a pleasure to cover, um, and absolutely exceeded any expectations I personally had, and I, and I think many Poolies had going into the start of the season. Did you think that the short turnaround would significantly affect us heading into this campaign? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I think that was one of the one of the main concerns, and that's why. I personally was thinking, oh, if they can just stay, just pull them, just stay safe, just stay safe, just finish third bottom. You know, <laughs> I know that doesn't sound very ambitious, but because of the quick turnaround and seeing behind the scenes how much scrambling around was going on, not because of any, you know, uh, lack of organisation, but that it was such a quick turnaround, even just relaying the pitch. You know, that that in itself was a, a massive undertaking, not to mention the recruitment and the amount of incomings and outgoings. I thought that would be, if there was going to be a reason why Pools suffered this season, I thought that that was going to be the reason why. Hmm. I mean, you know, as, as you've said, we, we did have a positive start to the season. We're absolutely flying at home. We were struggling away. Um, no mm. one can hide from that. And yeah. obviously DC leaves after that 5-0 defeat as at Leighton Orient. And many of us supporters and, and fans and stuff have discussed heavily that final game under DC. You know, whether it was whether the players knew anything about it, etc., etc. Are we just going to leave it as a one-off that you you would never expect? Because we all know that DC would never stand for that. Um, you know, con we were just making the same mistakes for each goal. It was exactly the same, and and nothing. You know, you didn't really have words for it to be honest. We no one expected us to go there and lose five nil. Do you personally feel that the players knew that he was off ahead of the game or not? I, I remember being down there and covering that game uh, against Luton. And I think the surprising thing about that was it came off the back of that incredible win over Harrogate. Um, and the feeling at the end and around the ground after that win over Harrogate was incredible. Mm. That, you know, the atmosphere that afternoon and the way the game turned as it did was just absolutely outstanding and then for it to be so different just a week later against Leighton Orient and you're right in what you say you know the goals there was almost carbon copies and I mm. think it was uh one of the goals came right after half time I think it was like five or six minutes after half time it was Tom James who got it was just one ball through the center of the pitch and it was so easy um and I don't know if there necessarily would have been a conversation between Challoner and the players, as in, all right, lads, I've had an offer, I'm thinking about it. But, you know, football is a, it's a very small world and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was rumours around the dressing room that maybe there was a potential that he could leave or that there was interest in him... And I remember speaking to him after that that game and there was, sort of as the game was going on and in and around that late knowing weekend, there was talks about this um, potential interest from Stockport or that he, he might leave and, and whatnot. And honestly, I, I mean, I'll hold my hands up, you know. I, I thought, nah, there's no way. 
there's no way he's going to drop down. Mm. I know it's a former club. I know they've got buckets full of money. But there's no way he'll drop down and go to a National League club after he's worked so hard. And all that emotion that we saw um, in Bristol after the, the final uh, the save from Brad James and all those scenes that followed, there's no way he's going to give that up now and go back to the National League. And I remember we got to the end of the interview and I asked him the question and said, a lot of talk about you know your future and interest from Stockport. Anything you can tell us in that regard? And I expected, absolutely expected him to back that away and say, no, 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 you know, uh, on we go. I'm focused here at Hartlepool or whatever, as you hear managers say all the time. Mm. And there was hesitation there in his answer. I thought, oh, hang on. As he was answering it, I thought, oh, my days, there's more in this than perhaps we think and Mm. maybe he is off. And it totally took me aback. And then, obviously, as things progressed through that, uh, those days and weeks that followed, um, he was off. So I I don't think that there was necessarily a discussion between Chatelain and the, the players to say he was going. But I wouldn't be surprised if some of them had heard that there was interest or discussions or whatever and maybe that affected the performances mm. on that on that day because as you both quite rightly say it was just such a contrast to the game that came before it and that that incredible comeback against Harrogate mm. what were your thoughts into how much of an impact DC leaving would have on the momentum the atmosphere and potentially the the mentality of the squad yeah um you know you lads have followed the club through thick and thin. You know, you travel up and down the country and, and, and follow Hartlepool United, as I'm sure many people who listen to this podcast do. And they've seen managers come and go. They've seen managers fail to uh, manage the team correctly. You know, all the ups and downs that we've had. And, and with Challoner, when he came in, straight from the off, you could see the standards that he was setting, not just in the dressing room, but also in and around the club, in the office. He was meticulous in what he did. And that is why, one of the reasons why Hartlepool was so successful under under him, because he had a lot of, he had a big say in a lot of different parts, not just the, not just the stuff on the green bit, um, as he used to refer to it. Um, so the fact when he left, I really did think or worry that this could be the unraveling now, now that, now that he's gone, do the standard slip, who is the next man who comes in to replace him? Um, does he set the same standards? All those sorts of questions that fans have. And, and think about and worry about we're absolutely going through my mind, Eddie's mind you know, we would drive to games or we'd, we'd get to the Vic and, and sit down we're there normally round about midday for a three o'clock kickoff, and we're always talking about, you know, the permutations and what's going on and what could happen and what has happened and we said at the time, similar to as we've been saying this past couple of days that next appointment is vital. If they want to survive in the in the football league this season, they need to appoint the right man. It's a huge appointment. 
Um, so absolutely, it was a fear that it might be the beginning of the unravelling of the season. But thankfully, you know, Sweeney comes in and steadies the ship as he always does. He knows this club better than anybody, better than most. Um, and it gives Pools a chance to <laughs> take the time about it, but then appoint somebody. And, and thankfully, the, the season didn't unravel immediately after that appointment. Um, but it very much had the... It had the danger to it, had the the chance of doing that, but thankfully it didn't. Yeah, I mean, everybody has different opinions on Dave Challoner at this moment in time, um, when he left, etc., you know, about the way that things happened. I think there's obviously going to be two sides to every... Well, there always is two sides to every story, and people will say different things, but we move on to the appointment of, of Graham Lee, and obviously it's taken quite a period for us to announce him, there's obviously yeah. lots of different names flying around. People like oh, Flynn, um, and I know there was the um manager down. I think was it Bromley or Boreham-wood? Uh, yeah, Andy, yeah, Andy Woodman, and you know, it's always going to happen when when you're looking for a new manager. There's going to be names flying around, and I, I think whatever anyone says, we were always going to struggle to find someone to that caliber of Dave Chandler, the standards he sets, the way he goes yeah. about it, etc. Graham Lee comes in and takes over and, and as you say, you know, thankfully we've we've managed to secure our safety and, and we've had some really good times along the way, such as, you know, the, the Cup runs, the FA Cup and, and the Papa John's. But obviously the news comes out from the club on Thursday that, that Graham Lee's departed after less than six months at the helm. I, for you personally, were you shocked by the news? I guess the timing of the decision just two days before the final game of the season has left many fans disgruntled. But how do you view this personally? I know that it's a, a decision that has really split fans. You have those who, to be frank, are pleased that he's gone and are very vocal about that. And those fans predominantly pay their money to go and support their team and are absolutely well within their right to say what they feel about their football club as obviously as long as it's not personal attack on the person, you know, um fans pay their money and have their right to to say what they they feel. There is also the camp that was absolutely shocked by it and thinks that it was a decision that was maybe made too soon. Um, and thought that he would get more time or it, he would at least get the summer and the beginning of next season to see where it went. I am in the camp of being shocked and thinking that he would have got more time. Um, and that was simply because I know there was a, already a lot of uh, work going in in terms of conversations with potential players, potential signings, the arrival of Chris Trotter as a head of recruitment, which was almost solely down to Graham Lee being at Hartlepool United. If Graham Lee's not at Hartlepool United, Chris Trotter doesn't come to Hartlepool. I think that is absolutely fair to say. Um, I remember interviewing him and asking him about the new head of recruitment when his phone rang and he joked and said, that's him now. It's, you know, it's, it's my friend from, 
from another club, but we're going to try and get him here and it'd be great if we do. Um, so I know, I just knew how much work was already going on and how much investment, if you like, I'm not talking necessarily about monetary terms, but investment in terms of time and energy had gone in to this summer and the recruitment. So I just assumed that he was going to be there over the summer and would be given time at the beginning of the next season. Obviously, that it didn't work out that way. Um, so I was absolutely shocked. I think the only thing that made it a little bit, it kind of clicked, and it wasn't until afterwards, but there was a few games ago, I'm trying to remember which, it was a home game. I think, I think it was either Swindon or Port Vale at home. And the chairman in his programme notes... Um, and at Hartlepool, you've always got to read the program notes because there's always something in there from the chairman or from a, a you know from somebody at the club that uh, that always uh, rings a few bells. But the chairman had said how frustrated he was with the results mm. and how it wasn't acceptable. And it was I remember reading that, and I looked at Eddie and I went, "Have you read that? I mean, that's pretty harsh." That. Mm. Um, Coming from coming from a, a chairman about his manager, and there was a line in there, and it's not a direct quote, but it's just off the top of my head, he said something along the lines of, "You know, I'm I'm looking to see an improvement in the final few games." Mm. And I did think at the time, I thought, mm, "That smells to me like if he doesn't get a win between now and the end of the season, it'll be gone." Mm. Um, so I think maybe that was initially the writing on the wall, but. I was I I was personally shocked just because I thought he would get the summer and the start of the the next season. Albeit I know fans will be screaming at this, going, "Yeah, Rob, but they, they didn't win since March, and the football was rubbish, and mm. and all of that." I take I absolutely take that on board. I, I really do. You know, like I say, fans are absolutely entitled to their opinion. This is just my this is that was just my view of of the situation as it unfolded. Mm. But yeah, I was definitely in the camp that was. A little bit shocked, but he might get longer. So, just to finish with management discussion, what do Pearls need to ensure with the next appointment in order for us to be able to unlock the potential we have seen at points throughout this season? Mm, it's a good one, and I think that is that's like the the million dollar question, isn't it? Um, I think the obvious answer to that is someone who's been there and done it mm. um, in terms of experience, promotion from League Two. You know, the chairman, Raj Singh, said in the in the statement, in the sacking of, of Graham Lee, you know, he mentioned the word ambition. He mentioned um, pushing up the divisions and trying to get the most out of the squad and, and all that kind of stuff. So for me, if, if you want that, it's a, a case of you know you put your money where your mouth is um for want of a better phrase and you go out and you you get the man you get the man that has the experience you get the man that has the promotions on his cv that might cost you a bit more money because he might already be at another club mm. most decent managers are <laughs> are at football the football clubs that's you know for the most part uh, I would say true to say, but um, I, I also think uh, somebody who 
understands just what this club means to the, to the town. It's massive to the town and the town is massive to the football club. Mm. You know, and I think somebody who can harness that like Dave Challoner did. I mean, some of the some of the afternoons at the Vic under Dave Challoner and under Graham Lee as well, but predominantly under Challoner were some of the best atmospheres I've witnessed at a football ground, mm. whether that's in the Premier League, in the Championship, wherever. Some of those afternoons where that ground was bouncing and the noise was deafening and mm. everybody was singing to the top of their lungs and the drummer was, was off on one away to our left in the northwest corner. It was just incredible. And I think the the man who comes in needs to be able to connect with the town, the club, and the fans and try and harness that. Um, and it's, you know, I, I think those are the the main things, but definitely somebody who has experience of being there and doing it. If you want to do what the chairman said, which is, you know, be ambitious and push up the divisions and really try and make a go of getting promoted next season. And let's be honest, lads, I mean, there's a lot of work for whoever it is, whether he's got experience or not, whoever comes in next has a massive job on their hands. And I don't mean that as any disrespect to any of the current players who are there. I just mean in terms of, I mean, you only have to look at the, the team sheet from yesterday, three outfield players on the bench, mm. you know, injuries left, right and centre, over half of the squad out of contract. Um, there's a lot of decisions to be made and there's a there's a lot of backing that will be needed for whoever does come in. Yeah, I 110% agree with you on that. I know we all had a conversation yesterday pre-match about all of those things that, that you've just uh, touched on there and, and it is so important. It's, you know, at the end of the day, you can take the cheap option and go on a short-term day, a short-term vision or you can go long-term and it might cost you more but this is for the long-term success of the mm -hmm. club and I think that's so important that Raj sees that, especially when he's, you know, put out that statement for Lee departing the other day and, and he's talked about this ambition and getting up the leagues you've got to now back that up by appointing someone who is able to take us there mm. you know no one ever likes to see anyone lose their job whether that's in football whether that's in any other profession and you know it's quite a negative thing to to discuss but if we move on to some more positive topics as we look back on this season and just how successful it's been as as you touched on at the start I mean what would you say personally has been your moment of this season? Oh, I'm going to need like five here. <laughs> um, there's so many. Obviously, the the cup runs were brilliant. The game against Rotherham, almost getting there. Mm. The win over Blackpool for me was, again, that was an afternoon that will live with me for a very long time. Mm. Um, the way that game panned out, David Ferguson via a deflection <laughs> scoring against the club that he used to captain and then cast him out um, that was a, a brilliant afternoon and just the belief around the ground that afternoon was incredible uh, the win over Harrogate earlier in the season mm. again was probably one of the more bonkers games that I've I've covered barring the obvious which was Bristol um, and, and Torquay United in the, in the promotion final but um I'm going to go for an obscure one, right? Because I know people will have already said 
you both Harrogate and Blackpool. Mm. So try this one on for size. I'm going to go for the first game of the season. Mm. Hartlepool against Crawley. Uh, I think it was something ridiculous like 1,550 plus days since Pools had last played in the in the football league and they walked out of that tunnel and there was I think around about 5,000 in the ground it sounded like there was 10,000 in the ground and just watching those players in the blue and white stripes walk out and not say National League on their arm badge or on the back of the shirt Mm. you know Um, all that sort of stuff and just knowing what it meant to the people in the stands knowing what it meant to those players who were walking out, every single one of them, and knowing what it meant to the staff, not just the managers, but the people behind the scenes to have that club back in the Football League, I think, I, if I close my eyes now, I can still see that image of them coming out the the the, the, the tunnel. Mm. And uh, it give, honestly, yeah, I know, know it's is an easy thing to say, but it just gives me goosebumps. Mm. Uh, and the fact that, they won it with two minutes left to go and it was Gavin Holahan, the Irish midfielder, who sent the Vic into absolute, you know, scenes was, uh, again, another moment that will live with me for a very long time. It was brilliant. And just to see, you know, after so long, after seasons going by and cold winters mm. <laughs> and rubbish summers... And really poor games and changing of managers and the threat of administrations and the threat of the club going under and people in charge of the football club who just, you know, I mean, almost cost the club its life. Mm. Um, For it to then come full circle to that day and having covered the dark days, it was just... It was a really proud moment to be there and be the man behind the microphone alongside someone like Eddie and be able to call a positive a positive afternoon for once off the back of what was a brilliant season in, in the National League. So for me, I'm going to go maybe a, maybe not a, a popular choice, but I'm going to go Hartlepool against Crawley first game of the season at the Vic. Yeah, I mean, a few people have funnily enough mentioned that to me that game when, I, when I've asked them for the moment of the season and if you do put everything into perspective obviously as you say we've had the cup runs we've had Palace um, I think Palace was a, a great benchmark yeah. of how far we've come of course but to be able to as you say be opening the season at home and winning um, and actually that realisation that we are Football League once again and, yeah. and no disrespect to the National League I mean Look, Wrexham are playing Stockport County today. Obviously, two massive teams financially um, with a lot of pulling weight. And the teams that we'd been playing, like I remember going to places like Chorley and Fylde. And <laughs> honestly, when you look Maidstone back on it... And yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, all that. All of that. And you, and you just think it makes you realise. And also, when you look at where we finished in the league, obviously, we wanted to finish a bit higher up. We had the potential to um, until recently. But... You just have to take a step back and really acknowledge how far we've come as a club from being on the brink of going like completely out and us not having a club to support to being back competing in the Football League and picking up some fantastic results along the way. 
I think, you know, it, it just speaks volumes and I can completely see why why you've chosen that game as your moment of the season. I'm now going to pass you over to Davo. He's going to ask you a few of uh, these questions. We put out a tweet the other day about various different little things. So I'll pass him over to you. So first and foremost, Rob, who is your unsung hero of the season? <laughs> right. This uh, is one that's going to divide opinion. Some people love him. Some people aren't a fan. Uh, I know there's a, a fan who comes up to me at the back of the Neil Cooper stand after almost every other game and says, oh, what's he doing? <laughs> but I'm going to go with Nicky Featherston as the unsung hero, um, simply because I think he uh, is the, the captain of the ship and... I think when he's not there, more times often than not, it's noticed. Um, I just think he's a. I do really like him as a football, uh, as a footballer. But I think he's really grown into that role as a captain as well. I remember speaking to him a few years back, and he was saying, "You know, I'm not really a shouter. I'm not really a. I'm not really a talker in the dressing room." <laughs> I think anybody can tell you if anybody, you know, people who've been to the games in the last couple of seasons and seen Nicky Featherstone in action, he's definitely a talker now, isn't he? I mean, he's constantly, he's constantly shouting and bawling at people left, right, and centre, and um, yeah, trying to keep people in check. So, yeah, my unsung hero will be Nicky Featherstone. Secondly, your win of the season. Win of the season. Um, I've mentioned Crawley already. I, I think that probably would have been my pick if I wouldn't have put it for my moment of the season. But win of the season, uh, oh, Harrogate was class, wasn't it? But I'm going to go the win in the FA Cup over Blackpool. Um, again, as I touched upon earlier, just the afternoon, the fact that it was Fergie against his former club, Joe Gray getting the winner, coming off the bench, um, the cup hero that is Joe Gray, uh, prolific in the cups, isn't he? So, yeah, uh, I'm going to go Blackpool. What an afternoon that was. Now, the flop of the season. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody will have the same answer for this. What, who do you think I'm going to say? Um, I could hazard a guess, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with everybody's... Poundland Ronaldo, um, <laughs> Mike Fondop. Um, what a character he was. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was a brilliant character. He probably should have his own reality TV show, you know, and it'd be on like ITVB or something. And my <laughs> wife would probably watch it because she loves all that kind of stuff. <laughs> but um, yeah, Mike Fondop for me does a really good Ronaldo. Uh, celebration never had the opportunity to use it in a Hartlepool United show <laughs> apart from in training videos goal of, <laughs> goal of the season um, <laughs> goal of the season oh, loads of, again loads of people I know will pick Molyneux against Harrogate because what a goal that was it was just I remember being there with Eddie and we were right behind it and the second it left his boot, you just saw it heading for that top corner. Um, but, and I'm going to admit something here, one of my favourite Hartlepool United players of recent seasons, uh, Gavin Holohan's goal against Carlisle mm. 
where he killed it on his chest, swung his peg at it, and it ended up in the top corner. And it was just a beautiful bit of skill uh, from an individual who got pools the win that afternoon. So I just, anything that's killed on the chest and then hit in the same breath on the volley, mm. I mean, just a brilliant bit of skill. So I'm going to go Holohan against Carlisle. Not player of the season. I think this is probably the easiest one um, out of the lot. It's got to be Luke Molyneux, hasn't it? I mean, it just has to be. He's been head and shoulders um, above the rest. I mean, Timmy Odessina has been up there. There's, there's there's others who have had their moments, but just the consistency. Luke Molyneux, I really hope we see him in a blue and white shirt next season. I, if you ask me to bet my mortgage on it, I'd probably bet that he won't be in a blue and white shirt next season. Mm. Um, but I have no doubt that's only because he'll be going on to bigger and better things and I'm absolutely over the moon for him because I remember you know under previous managers and under Dave Chaloner he was in and out of the squad and he was he wanted to play on that uh, on that left hand side and they were, they were playing him here there and everywhere and there was question marks coming into this season about whether he would leave or not. He had a sit-down interview with, a uh, sit-down conversation with Dave Chalmers. I remember him telling us in an interview. They had an honest conversation with the manager and he said, I'll play anywhere. I just want to play. And I think that attitude is the reason why he's got 12 goals this season mm. and he's got clubs higher up the pyramid, you know, looking at him and and potentially um, going to, you know, potentially take him to their, their football club, wherever that may, may be and whatever division that may be in. But um, And the season that he had before that, you know, the promotion season, he had he got COVID. Um, I think he was one of the first players at Pools to get COVID. And it really set him back for that campaign. And I know that was really frustrating for him. So to see him then, then back in the EFL and scoring goals, enjoying his football an integral part of that squad it's got to be Luke Molyneux signing of the season Rob um, I would say Neil Byrne but going to throw a curveball and say um, does this count You get, tell me if this counts or not I'm going to say David Ferguson signing his new contract just a matter of days ago um, I think that's huge and it'll be huge for next season but it happened in this season. <laughs> Just <laughs> well, <laughs> seeing, the last game. See um, you, Rob. We'll let you have that one. Yeah, I'll go with David Ferguson, kind of, with maybe like an asterisk next to it. <laughs> Most improved player? I would say Timmy Odessina with an honourable mention to Tom Crawford. Um, I think Crawford, his improvement... Again, under Challenger, didn't get a sniff. Uh, hardly ever played, was hardly ever sometimes even on the bench. And, you know, people were scratching their head thinking, why, what, what's going on here? Why, you know, he's not getting any game time. He's been kept around the club, but he's not getting any game time. And then you'd, you'd speak to Challenger in interviews and you'd ask him the question and he'd say, he's a brilliant footballer. He's so technical and, and he'd wax lyrical about him. But then, he would never play him. And then under Graham Lee, he just seemed to have 
flourished and really taken taken confidence from having a manager who who backed him and and trusted him enough to to put him in the starting eleven. Um, but Timmy Odessina, I think again another one who has just come on leaps and bounds. He has the odd he has the odd wobble in him, doesn't he? And I think mm. we saw that uh, on Saturday. There was a few moments where where he gets the ball caught underneath his feet, but he's still a young player. And I think that what he what he may lack for sometimes he he'll always give everything and he'll break his back to uh, to make up for it and get that ball back uh, for the blue and white shirts. So. Yeah, Timmy Odessina most improved, but an honourable mention to Tom Crawford, who's also uh, come on leaps and bounds this season. Well, you know exactly uh, how we both feel about Tom Crawford, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I thought that might go down well. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can't argue, Timmy. You know, Timmy's been absolutely fantastic. I think throughout February, especially and probably March as well, he, he was really solid and carried that on, and it was great to see him back with the confidence that. You know, when he was on loan the first time, he was playing yeah. like he was there. So I guess that answers the first thing that I was going to ask you, who's your most improved player, which we've already asked. And then obviously Davos asked you for your player of the year. So that just leaves one last award that we want uh, to have your opinion on. And that's the young player of the year. Ooh, young player of the year. Um, Joe Gray simply because I think he has he's taken his opportunities when they've been given to him. I know he's had a little bit of problems with injuries towards the back end of the season, which maybe curtailed what was growing into a real positive campaign for him. But mm. I just I like everything about him as a player. Um, you know, he's no fear. He will give it all and he's not scared of a scrap either you know mm. we often we often joke on commentary and say he's he's built like a bowl of spaghetti but he, <laughs> honestly honestly i mean he more than makes up for it in pure just guts and determination um he's not the tallest he's not the most muscular or built but he gets stuck in there and he he won't duck away from anybody even if they're 6 foot 6 and probably weigh three times his his weight, you know, so and that goal against Blackpool, he scored some really big goals for Pools this season. Um, so Joe Gray gets my nod for uh, best young player. If you could summarise this season for us in one sentence, how would you go about us? <laughs> With extreme difficulty. <laughs> um, oh man, in one sentence. Um, I think I said it in the commentary yesterday which was lots of ups and not too many downs, which is a very rare thing for this football club mm. over the recent years. Mm. So something along those lines, I'd probably say. Very um, well it's put. been nice to, nice to cover it with it, um, you know, with so many positive things to talk mm. about, although there has been the odd sting in the tail along the way. Yeah, well, finally, just to you know, end, end our little interview here, what are you feeling looking ahead to next season? I know at the time of recording this, the season's only finished less than 24 hours ago, but as supporters, we're always looking ahead um, and sure excited for pre-season already. So, you know, what are you feeling when you when you think about us going into League Two once again for the 2022-23 season? 
I think a lot of it will depend on the manager who comes in and obviously the players that, that are brought in as a, as a result of that. Um, but I think if they get, Pills get the right appointment, the right man in charge, and they back him in the summer, uh, which I think they, whoever they bring in, I, I would like to think they intend to do, um, then I don't see why Pools can't be up there and fighting for a possible playoff place. But there's so many ifs and buts that lie between now and then. Um so the optimist in me would say fighting for a playoff place um, as long as they get the right man and he's he's allowed to bring in uh, his own players mm-hmm. and, and Pills can keep hold of some of, some of the players who are out of contract as well because there's some big hitters in that club, in that uh, squad who um, could potentially not be at the Vic next season. I think that would be... Yeah. A real shame. So, yeah, a lot of it ifs and buts, but if all goes well, and we hope it does, obviously, um, no reason why they can't be up there fighting, fighting for a, a playoff spot, I would say. Well, I think a lot of us supporters would echo that. Well, every single one, probably. Um, but, Rob, thanks very much for coming on. You know, your, your insight's absolutely fantastic. You're brilliant at what you're doing. It's been great to have your view from the press box, so to speak. So we look forward to hopefully having you on in the future. But thanks for your time and giving us all that. Absolutely, lads. No problem at all. Pleasure to be on. And like I say, uh, it's really important what you do, I think, as a football club and as a as a fan base things like this podcasts like this it's it's vital um that, that fans have a platform to say what they think um football is all about opinions all shades of opinions it's what we try to do on the radio you know not just on match days but through the week as well and the more platforms that fans have to come on and air their grievances or sing their praise about their football club the better so keep doing what you do and I think it's absolutely brilliant and uh, yeah happy to come on anytime lads TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Open them up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.